Support for the Calcio Connection podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Friends, Manscaped is taking over the world. They're now available in all of Europe, all of Canada, all of Australia, and New Zealand, in addition, of course, to the United States. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. So join the movement for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. So Europe and Australia, guys, are about to get a lot less hairy. That's right, folks. If you live in the EU, you can now purchase Manscaped products. If you live there, you have gone years without using the right tools for the job. Like, I feel so blessed that I have had these tools available to me. You guys now all have it available to you. I used to use, or at least try to use, the same trimmer that I use on my head and on my beard on the peninsula south of the equator and Jerry, as we know, if you're using a piece of equipment that's not made for that particular equipment down below, you could talk about some injuries. Like you, you could talk about some cuts when you don't have the ceramic blade. Things got very ugly for me at one point, Jerry. I was bleeding all over the place before I had Manscaped. <laughs> How bloody did it get? Man, I'll tell you, I I like uh, I because it was my balls. Like I thought about calling nine one one because I was like I was really worried because I'm like the last thing I want is to bleed to death from my nutsack. Like I didn't want to be in the newspaper for that, you know. Like I didn't want to I, I didn't want to be on the internet, right? This was around. This must have been like twenty two thousand nine, maybe two thousand ten. I didn't want to like turn up on freaking TMZ or something like this. This guy died from from trying to shave his nutsack. Like I I didn't want that to be me. And so I learned my lesson, man. You can't use that equipment down there. That is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. This is the third generation trimmer that features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery is going to last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. I don't know who's hairy enough to need 90 full minutes, but just in case, you've got that option. Jerry, you might be. I figure you're covered like a like a grizzly bear. You, you might need 90 minutes. I need more than 90 minutes. Freaking one time it took me two days. <laughs> you got that on almost one full charge from Manscaped. And it's also waterproof. The waterproof technology allows you to groom even in the shower. One of the coolest features that I love on this thing is the LED light. It's like a spotlight. It illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with what they call, this is trademarked, quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient charging dock powered by USB. So if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping. We got a hookup. If you use our code, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with our code CALCHO. It's the word CALCHO, C-A-L-C-I-O. You type in our code word 
at manscaped.com. You can get 20% off and free shipping with our code CALCHO at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use our code CALCHO and your balls will thank you. Welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. And we really are all over the world on this episode. You know, you've got Jerry up in Canada holding it down. I'm in the USA down in Florida. And we are going all the way down under bringing in our favorite Sampdoria supporter who does a great job on Forza Italian football. It's been way too long since we've had this man on. Vito Doria is on with us. Vito uh, I, I don't even know what the heck time it is over there in Australia. It's evening for Jerry and I. Are you are you morning, evening? Uh, w- what's going on over there? Uh, lunchtime, actually. Lunchtime. So, mm. so it's almost one o'clock in the afternoon now. I was actually having lunch just before we started this Skype call. And uh, yeah, it's a bright, sunny afternoon as well. So after this, I'm looking forward to just stepping outside of the house. I love it. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, because we, we've got a couple of, uh, of friends uh, from, from over in Australia, like uh, like Anthony from Interworldwide, who joins us sometimes. Like, I sometimes complain about having to wake up at, like, 5.45 in the morning to watch a Serie A game. I, I don't think Jerry cares too much because he never sleeps anyway. But sometimes I have to get up really early, you know, to watch these games. But what are the times usually like in Australia, Vito? Like, what what are some of the weirdest times you have to watch Sampdoria play? Uh, when it's not daylight savings, uh, sometimes those games that are on at 6 p.m. Italian time, they'll come to us at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so do, do you stay up? You probably stay up or do you wake up really early? Like, how, how do you manage that? Look, when I have to be in that situation, I just get up, yeah. just have an early night and get up. Oh man, well that's awesome. And you know, one of the one of the main reasons why we wanted to bring Vito back. First of all, it's been way too long. But second of all, we've got Lazio hosting Sampdoria this weekend. Uh, it's going to be three p.m. Italian time on Saturday, nine a.m. Uh, in the East Coast of uh, North America for Jerry and I. And Jerry, uh, let me get your take on this one as I bring in Jerry Mancini, my co-host as well. You know, Sampdoria, they've had the number of both of our teams, right? I mean, early in the year, they took a 3-0 against Lazio. More recently, they took a 2-1 against Inter. So uh, maybe there are some clubs out there that might be asking Samp some of their secrets on, on on how to pull out tough results against bigger clubs. I mean, Jerry... How are you feeling heading into this matchup on Saturday? Well, I just did some stats for our match preview, and this is a very interesting matchup because the last time these two teams played, Immobile was unavailable due to a suspension. And based on his stats in recent seasons, he is the Sampdoria killer, if if that if you want to label him that way, because he's got eight goals in the last five Serie A matches. Serie A matches against Sampdoria, and, and he's had his way against the Blutterati. So this is a guy who can who can really find the back of the net against the team. Um, maybe he just enjoys playing against Sampdoria. I, I don't know, but um, I still remember his uh, 
his uh, hat trick he scored, I believe it was last season or the season prior where he, it was when they won 5-1. I think it was last season. But um, And uh, for me, you can't underestimate Sampdoria regardless of what the, the, the past results have been. They've only won one Sampdoria in the last nine matches in Serie A against Lazio. And this is a different look of a Sampdoria side under Claudio Ranieri where they finally have a manager in my opinion where their structure uh, not just offensively now but even defensively and they, they, they approach every game more confidently they, they look more sound on the field and I didn't get to watch their, their previous match against Fiorentina but based on the results they look very uh, decisive with their limited chances in the past game. I think they only had like three shots on target, but two went for a goal. So whereas Fiorentina had six shots on target and they had really good chances within range and they didn't capitalize. So, you know what? I give Ranieri a lot of credit. I don't care if he was a ex-Roma manager as well. You got to respect for what, he how he approaches Lazio and the respect he shows. He even said that you can't uh, underestimate Lazio. This is a team that can basically make a run for a top four spot. And he gave a lot of credit to Simone Inzaghi today, saying that he's a very good manager and he's done a good job with this team. So Ranieri has always talked very respectfully, even though it's been a rival in, in his past. So... I, I have a lot of credit for him, and I think this is a manager you do not underestimate. And, you know, I uh, I, I underestimated Samp a little bit before the season started, and uh, I am ashamed to admit to Vito that um, I, I had them very near the uh, the relegation zone in my preseason predictions, and they have, uh, they, they have gone above my expectations so far. So uh, w- what have been the secrets in your mind, Vito, as you know, Samp are in, are in 10th position right now, so they're right in the middle of the table. They've pulled off some very nice results this season. Have they uh, exceeded or maybe met your expectations so far? They've actually exceeded my expectations as well. When I look at the team on paper, there are a lot of players that are either very old or experienced, if you like, then you've got some young players too. And there aren't many players in that mid-range bracket for players, that group between 24 to 28, where you'd expect footballers to be in their prime. Fortunately, with someone like Ranieri, we have a coach that has a wealth of experience. He doesn't try to complicate things with his football. I think his way of approaching the game is very simplistic and also easy for his footballers to understand. And with this approach, I think that's helped the team get results. And a few players are also playing above themselves. We also have a few hidden gems as well, which seems to be the trend at the Lucerciati. And uh, one of those particular uh, gems is uh, Mikkel Damsgaard, the Danish kid. So in the previous uh, matchup, you know, Jerry mentioned the uh, the victory against Fiorentina. That included uh, the game-winning goal from Fabio Pagliarella, who's uh, about two uh, two seasons removed from from winning Capo Cananiere. He was uh, 36 years old at the time. How, how much gas uh, do you think he still has left in the tank? How much does he still have left? About 38 now. 
Oh, it's hard to say because for most other footballs, you'd think that they're on their last legs or they're about to be finished. But uh, Quayarella, he seems to be the striker that even here and there, he can still make a decisive contribution. He hasn't always made an impact when he's been on the pitch. There are times where his space is limited. And also because there is more focus on wing play under Ranieri, it's not uh, ideal for someone like Quayarella, who's better when the ball is uh, passed to his feet. And that's where he can do incredible damage. I personally feel Quayarella would be better off coming off the bench, despite being our captain, because of his age. In saying that, he still has the skills, he's got the experience and the guile, so he's capable of getting into those right positions, and he does have that X factor to do something out of nothing. So I hope he's got maybe another year left in him at least, but it's also up to Ranieri to use him in the wisest ways possible. Yeah, it's well said, and and you know, Jerry, um, you know, heading into uh, heading into this this game on Saturday, uh, we, we know Samp uh, has has a player up front that is near and dear to both of our hearts—a former Lazio player, a former Inter player in Kate Balde. And you, you were telling us, Jerry, off air that uh, he, he's pretty excited to play Lazio, and, and he thinks he's going to get a couple of goals this weekend. Yeah, I'm actually gonna, trying to uh, pull up this quote, but. He basically, to sum it up, he was saying that he would love to score one, maybe even more than one goal versus uh, Lazio. And uh, it, to me, it, it was kind of a, a cheap shot to Lazio because I know that the end of his time didn't go well and there was differences. But you also have to remember who allowed you to create your, your, your path. And, and he wouldn't have a career right now if it wasn't for Lazio and what he was able to establish here uh, with, with, with the uh, Bianco Celesti. So for me, I think it's a slap in the face. And it, it basically gives a, a wake-up call to Lazio saying, well, if this guy wants to talk crap and, he, and he's going to feed garbage words to us, we're, we're going it gives, to... It gives Lazio extra motivation. That's how I see this now. It's an incentive where Inzaghi, a guy like Inzaghi will definitely go in the dressing room, show the quotes of what Kitta Balde said, and said, do you guys want to lose to this guy for this quote? Are we going to be shamed by this? And that's just my opinion of how I look at it. Um, I always thought he was a good player when he played for Lazio. I, I think his, as his career kind of went down, to his final years, it kind of tailed off. But overall, he was a good player. And it's very unfortunate that a guy like him has to revert back to the past. And and I think this is his first visit to uh, the Stadio Olimpico since he left, I, I would I would assume, well, right? He visited with, uh, with Inter. Okay, okay. Okay, so... I, I would assume, unless he didn't yeah. play in that game for some reason. Maybe that's a possibility. I, I can't... This was two years ago, so I'm not sure. So, and unless maybe he didn't play in the game, I'm not sure about that, because he would have made one visit there in 2018. Yeah, exactly. So, it's been a while, but overall, um, yeah, we'll see what happens if it comes back to haunt him, or maybe he gives him motivation as well, so... Well, you know, and I'll be honest... Yeah, I'll be honest, and and I want uh, Vito to weigh in on on how Kate Balde has been doing there. Like I'm, I'm I'm reading the quote. I, I think this is honestly, I think this is a case of of the media getting their headline and and Maybe. making uh, making a meal out of it. 
So he said, uh, I want to score in every game, regardless of the opponent. I've scored goals in many different ways this season, but the one I like the most is the next one. In this case, it's the next one at the Stadio Olimpico, he said with a smile. I'll give everything to score, possibly more than one goal. So, Liz, I think you can interpret it in a number of ways. I mean, um, maybe it might be fair for some to say, like, you know, out of respect to your former club, you don't, you don't, you know, make it sound like you're guaranteeing any goals. But I, I kind of think he's just talking about wanting to score in every game. And he even said there, regardless of the opponent. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I try not to make too much out of something like that. But your take on that, Vito, and, and how has uh, Keita been doing there at Samp in your mind? About those particular comments, uh, yeah, it can be interpreted that uh, he does want to adapt at Sampdoria. He wants to fit in, do well, and get his career on track. Because since Lazio, I don't think he's recaptured the same brilliance. He's been patchy. He's had uh, injury problems and other issues. So we really haven't seen Balde really grow as a footballer or build upon what he had shown with the Bianco Celesti. About those particular comments as well, another thing, uh, it is easy for someone like Jerry to interpret it in the way he did, and I don't blame him because it is before Balde faces Lazio, the club that he did play for, and also established himself as a senior footballer. And it's uh, common ground when uh, you have players talk about the old clubs um, there is that sort of impression or vibe that they seem to have a lack of gratitude towards them. Sure, not all clubs are big clubs, but sometimes you just got to appreciate the clubs who found you in the first place and help you give you that springboard so you can go to somewhere bigger, more established, or has a greater fan base than gives you greater exposure around the world. So, yeah, um, it's... You can interpret it many ways. You can interpret it in face value or you can read between the lines. So, um, yeah, it's really up to the person uh, who reads them and takes them for what they're, what they're for. As for Balde's form with Sump so far, I think he's been a bit slow off the mark. Again, he had contracted the coronavirus. He also had, again, another injury issue to contend with. But... Uh, yeah, slowly, slowly starting to find his feet. And uh, I think he looks like a really good acquisition for Sump. He does add a bit more pace to the attack. Uh, he is a good finisher. And another thing, too, is when I look at the Sump lineup, let's say Ranieri plays with a standard 4-4-2, it's good to have Balde alongside Quayarella or Ernesto Torregrosso, who was purchased from Brescia in February. So I think he does add some extra dimensions to the Sump attack. Whenever it's something like 4-4-1-1, usually it's the Uruguayan veteran, Gaston Ramirez, playing as the Trequatista, but he's largely been disappointing. So when I see someone like, Gami uh, like Ramirez play like he has, I, I just feel Balde deserves to start more. And if it's not Balde, at least play someone like Valerio Verre, in that attacking midfielder role because he's had a knack for scoring some lovely goals himself. So, Vito, uh, another player I wanted to ask you about since we're talking about guys who have who played for Lazio and, and Inter before, you know, uh, someone else who checks off both of those boxes is Antonio Candreva. Uh, and, and I got to get some background because um, I, I can remember seeing some reports that 
he, he was really in uh, Ranieri's doghouse uh, a while back. Like I, I can even, and, and the media sensationalizes everything, of course, but I can even remember some rumors like, oh, they might send him, you know, back to, back to Inter midseason or something. So, uh, and, and he did score against Inter on a penalty kick, which did not surprise me in the least. I knew he was going to score in that game. And Keita Balde scored in that game as well, which was also really predictable. But uh, how's he been playing overall this year? I just say he's been good without being great. Uh, the reason I say that is he does come up with his moments of quality where he'll provide a good assist or he'll score a few goals. But then, of course, the bad aspects of his play show up. Uh, it cannot be denied that he's got an incredible work ethic and he's got great stamina. Even at his age, he still looks very fit and he can uh, have command or control of the right flank. But then... The weaknesses in his game can show up, whether it's poor crossing ability or if he tries to take a long-range shot or crack a volley, it will just go right into Rose. So uh, those parts of uh, his character can be frustrating. And I'm sure Alex and uh, Alex, you know, you know about it. Jerry would know too because he's played for your club. So (laughs) you've seen the bad sides of his character, but... uh, when he does the good things, that's where he's an asset to Sump. And again, with the formation, a standard 4-4-2 on the right side of that midfield for that formation, I think that's uh, tailor-made for a player like Kandreva and his characteristics. All right, so I, I've got to start uh, to ra- racking uh, both of your brains on your expectations for this weekend in this game. You know, Jerry, I'll start with you. This is very important for Lazio. I mean, Lazio this past Sunday had a six-game winning streak come to an end. Um, I am still going to consider that to be overall very good form because for me, once you're on a six-game winning streak, losing one does not you know, completely derail things. But how important, Jerry, is it to bounce back uh, this Saturday? How important is it for Lazio to try and take all three points in this one? I think it's really important because you got Bayern Munich on Tuesday and – you don't want to go into that match losing two straight and that all of a sudden you're going from good form to questionable form of your mentality of how you approach the game all of a sudden turns around and say, like, okay, all of a sudden we were losing and you don't want, you want the momentum when you're going into Champions League. So on the, on the opposite end, when Lazio played Sampdoria, I think it was back in October, we got humiliated. It was our worst performance of the season, I would say. Santoria deserves credit because Ranieri put on a masterful performance where Lazio didn't have an, an answer to in that game. I, I know that Parolo was used as a wing back, I believe, if I recall. And um, it, it was just so many bad decisions of what Lazio did. Um, we were missing a wing back. We were missing our striker. Um, there, there were key decisions that that kind of uh, hindered us, and there were personnel that could have came on and and started in place of certain players that didn't need to start. But overall, you got to give credit to Santoria, though. How do I see this game going out now? Once again, we're we're in a lot of trouble. Radu is injured. He take he just had surgery today. He'll be out for the next. X amount of time. Um, Luis Felipe won't be back until the end of March. So there's two players right there in the back end. I've been hearing that Patrick 
Acherby and Musacchio might be starting on Saturday. I would prefer Hoot over Patrick personally. I think that's such an advantage to Sampdoria if uh, if Patrick plays. I I think for this match specifically, I'm okay with Acherby playing on the left and Hoot playing in the middle, and you have Musacchio on the right. Um, I would be more opposed to it if it was more of a top six, very lethal team that can exploit the middle. And that's no disrespect to Sampdoria and, and what they're able to do. I think that a match like this, you, you you are less prone, I would say. And there's less liability if you're having Hoot in the middle and a Cherby on the, on the wing there. But what scares me is when you do play a Cherby on the left, he overcommits. And that's where Sampdoria can probably take advantage of a guy like Kandreva who is very good on the counterattack. So for me it's gonna be very questionable what what goes on in the back. And they did test out Vidat Marici with the Andreas Pereira to, in practice today. So there are been question marks as to if Immobile will start from the bench and will come on only if needed in order to rest for Tuesday's game against uh, Bayern Munich. Um, if that's being told, I would think that maybe Correa gets a rest as well because he had just came back from an injury, I think, re- just very recently as well. So, And in the middle of the uh, the park there, I would like to see Luis Alberto not play on Saturday because he just had surgery. Mm. And uh, I, I know that he's unable to give 100, uh, sorry, 90 minutes yet. I think he's gone to like 70 minutes most in a game. So who I do see starting for sure, though, is a Cherby, Sergei Malinkovic-Savic, and Adam Marisic. Um, the rest is all up in the air of how Inzaghi approaches this game. Um, Latidi is suspended as well. He is uh, unavailable. Actually, sorry, Hoots is suspended for this game. Sorry. Oh, that's who, right. Who yeah, because of, of that yellow that he got on the on the penalty. Yes, who's suspended? So let me let me revert revert back to that back three because uh-huh. I had it all wrong. Now it's, it's thinner Chir- than you thought. Then yes, Cherby will be in the middle, Patrick will be on the left, and Musaki will be on the right because Musaki mm-hmm. is not good on the left. So and then apparently Sena Lulic could be starting and making his first start on Saturday as well on the left side with Maricic having to switch over to the right. So. A lot of uh, a lot of different looks this weekend when uh, Lazio takes the pitch. So Jerry, you mentioned uh, Radu having surgery. That escalated quickly, huh? Because didn't he warm up with intention to play against Inter, and he he came up. Uh, he got hurt in the warm ups, right? Yeah. Um, you know what? I I don't know why we force players into situations when things like these escalate and it gets worse in the long term. They knew three days out that he wasn't fully fit to play against Inter, but they still approached with him starting in the back three and knew, knowing that it was a big risk. So why would you risk even further? I think it was a, a poor decision. I know you want your, your best players in, but sometimes you got to look at the long term. And, and to play Inter, now look... To force him to play Inter, your long-term now, you, you lost one of your defenders who's been reliable this year. And I know people are going to say, well, he's 35 years old and he's old, but at 35 years old, he, he still provides 
that leadership in the back, the experience that all guys like Patrick and Hoot cannot provide you. So I, it's going to be a big loss, but I'm I'm going to be looking at the player of Hoot after this game. Like, not this Saturday, but going forward, that's the guy who has to step up now in the back three. That's the guy who has to be Mr. Dependable coming over on, on loan from Southampton and he he's the key. If he can put in some decent performances and and read, I think he was good against Inter in the past match. But if he can just play at a at a simplified game, like like Vito said, when Ranieri approaches the game, how does he approach to manage? He keeps everything simple. He doesn't overcomplicate it. And I think that's a good at, a way of describing Hoot and not overthinking the game. Don't overcommit. You just got to play a simple, sound game, and, and I think that he'll execute much easier and much better. So, uh, Vito, I'll go over to you heading into the matchup. Um, how do you expect Samp to line up against Lazio, and what's your expectation for the match? Oh, <clears throat> well, for the lineup, yeah, I'd probably say that's yeah the same as uh, usual, just a standard 4 4 2. I must admit, I haven't. Had the chance to check who's uh, unavailable with uh, suspension uh, due to suspension and whatnot. But uh, uh, what's been consistent over the season is Aldero in goal. Uh, the back lines usually are Berezinski, Yoshida, Colley, and Algello at left back. Midfield, um, Kandreva wide. Adrian Silva's been playing a bit recently in midfield. So it might be either more. T- Morton Torsby as a box-to-box or defensive midfielder alongside him, or Alban Ekdal, he'll be the main regista, whereas uh, Silva might be more, more deeper lying, I suppose, or not have as much attacking responsibility. And then on the left, you'd either get Jakob Yankto, the Czech midfielder, or even Damsgaard if uh, Ranieri wants someone with far more better offensive capabilities. Then up front, um, I'd still go Quayarella and Caterbal there, but uh, maybe maybe like we were saying earlier, with Quayarella being at the age he is, uh, maybe Torre Grossa could start again. So, I'll, I'll add some stats there for you, Vito, for Fabio. Sure. He's got three goals in the last four games versus in, uh, Lazio. So oh, he's wow, got, not bad. Yes, yes. He's had some success too as well. He's a he's a Lazio killer in recent times, so he's got some uh, good form against Lazio, and he's had some good success. So that that's something to keep in mind. Uh, I, I look into those stats, and I'm a big. I think those are very key to look out for, because it, it mentally it, it makes a player believe that they can continue to score against a specific team, and they have some success, and they know how to play against them. And a guy like Fabio really plays against a, a Lazio defense that has always been questionable in in past seasons. So that uh, that's how I kind of see it. You know, so uh, Vito, I, I asked Jerry, you know, what a, a victory would mean for Lazio. Uh, I'll ask you what what three points, or heck, even even getting a point at the Olympico, what it would mean for Samp. Uh, you know, you guys do have. Obviously, you, you can certainly set, set your sights at moving up in the table. You know, you're 10th place, but only four points out of eighth. You're, you know, a, a victory behind Hellas Verona in ninth place. You do have a five-point cushion above 
Genoa. I'm sure you'd love to stay on top of Genoa on that table, of course. So, uh, you know, what would uh, three points or even a point mean for Samp in this one? Well, getting at least a point from Lazio in Rome would be fantastic. Lazio are a bit of a bogey team for us, and our record recently at the Olympico is quite poor. Aside from a 2-2 draw in the 2018-2019 season when Saponara scored with that uh, karate kick goal in the dying minutes, That's right. that, was, yeah, that was probably one of the few highlights in recent years. Otherwise, last season there was that 5-1 drubbing, um, 2016-2017, Lazio won 7-3 when Milan Skriniar was still a sump player at the time and he got a red card early on. And I think there might have even been a 4-0 win for Lazio amongst that too, but not entirely sure. So it goes to show that Lazio against us in recent years, they know how to tear us apart. <laughs> As for this particular game... We might be a bit more fortunate for the reasons Jerry has mentioned. Losing some of those key players or having those defensive frailties does not help the cause. And also because they have the round of 16 Champions League game with Bayern Munich, um, I'm sure there would be focus on both games. But uh, Europe's something for a club outside of Italy's top three. That's something you don't want to miss out on you want to make the most of that and uh, I'm sure that Lazio they'll do everything they can to give Bayern a real match uh, in the Champions League so if some can get a point at least um, regardless if it's because Lazio are focused on Europe or whatnot I think it's still a fantastic achievement because the Bianco Celesti do have a habit of humiliating us as for the whole context of the results or the significance of the points that we could obtain from this game, it would definitely seal that sort of mid-table mid spot, you know, at least keep us there so we don't have to think of dropping down. Uh, the Europa League's probably not on my list of priorities, although it would be nice to get, but I just don't think we've got the squad to really challenge for a spot. And even if we do get it, I think the team, the squad's just too thin to even put up a credible performance next year in Europe, but I would love to be proved wrong because regardless if it's Samp or anyone else from Serie A, I still want to see Italian football back on top and showing the other leagues uh, what Italian football is about. Amen to that. Uh, and, and with that said, I want to move on to the Milan Derby, um, it, especially to get Vito's take on it. You know, Jerry and I have talked about it a little bit on our previous episode. Um, you know, uh, it's it's getting a little bit more interesting from a Milan perspective because Jerry, in our last episode, we talked about how you know Milan would you know have to go to Belgrade to play Red Star, and they got beaten up a little bit. I mean, Benacer left the game injured. I'm not sure the extent of that, but that would uh, certainly not be uh, not be a plus for Milan. You know, just under three days away from taking on Inter, and it was it was a dogfight. I mean, uh, you know, I, Milan didn't win the game, but it's still, you know, a fine result for them getting two away goals. So they, they'll control their own destiny, essentially, in the second leg at the San Siro. Uh, but, you know, they, they do have to travel, you know, to a foreign country and get beaten up a little bit before Derby on Sunday. So Inter are going to be the more rested team here. So, you know, Jerry, I'll, I'll start with you. 
does uh did, does that change you know your outlook for the game a little bit because i know another way to look at it would be kind of a frustrating result for milan today a very frustrating result for milan this past uh this past weekend against spezia so they're going to be extra motivated in this derby i don't doubt that for a second yeah i didn't get to watch the game i only watched the napoli game today but it sounded like it was a very uh intense game between belgrade and uh and Milan, but um, I think that it, it'll take a toll on them on Sunday, and I'll, I'm still going to go with Inter winning this game. Uh, I don't, I can't see Inter not losing. Like I, I don't see them losing. I think they're going to approach the game. They had enough time to tactically figure out how to approach Milan, what they need to do to defeat them, and the fact that. It seems as if Erickson's going to be starting on Sunday, I would assume. And you got Conte, who is trying to be a little bit more loose with his tactics and being more creative, more adaptive with his players and making them feel more comfortable when they play. They, they don't look as scared on the field. Um, they look more confident there. They're defending well. Uh, every player is, is playing their position um, very more soundly, more tactically. So... As for Milan, they lose last uh, Saturday. They draw today. Um, is, is this a, a a moment where we're starting to see a crack? Maybe that they're they're starting to slip, and their inability to win games are starting to creep up. Or could it just be a little recent stint where they they're just showing a little bit of poor form and they'll turn it around on Sunday? I think with two days rest, and it, it's going to be difficult. And I, I believe they they picked up another injury today. Benister got hurt as well in uh, today's match versus uh, Belgrade, and um, that's another big loss. So, and and I would hope that Milan does kind of advance to the next round because teams like Lazio will benefit, where Milan will need to play more and overused their players further as the season goes. So as for Sunday, I just don't see how Inter loses this match. I think that they have a, a much stronger squad top to bottom. And if they're to lose, it's their own mistakes, basically. It's their own doing that allows Milan into this game. I'll take you both uh, inside the mind of an Interista, okay? I, uh, in fact, uh, you know, Jerry, you know this guy. He's been on with us a couple times. I was, you know, exchanging uh, Twitter DMs with our buddy Nat uh, Natale, who's another Inter supporter. And this was, you know, right after the Milan match today. And and we were, we were messaging back and forth, and, and he was asking about the match. And I, you know, I told him, oh, it was a 2-2 draw. You know, they get beat up a little bit. And then he writes back, well, now I'm convinced Milan's going to win this derby. <laughs> that that's kind of how the mind of an Interista works, and it's it's sort of how I, I think that uh, a lot of clubs feel like this heading into a derby, no matter what, because derbies are the types of matchups where sometimes form can be a red herring. Like form, it, it isn't always the team in the better form, because sometimes the team in the worst form ends up, you know, a little bit more motivated in a derby, and they kind of play like the wounded animal. And I know Milan's going to play with a little bit of desperation. Uh, a little bit more of a chip on the shoulder where, you know, Inter are now the ones with the targets on their back. Uh, I mean, I think logically, you know, most of the signs uh, would point to uh, to Inter winning this match. 
um, you know, being, uh, you know, the, the, the side that is in, you know, the better form and, and seeming a little bit healthier, healthier right now. We did get some bad news about Stefano Sensi picking up another muscular injury. But at this point, it's news when he doesn't pick up muscular injuries. So they've, they've really had to they've had to adapt to life without Sensi being available for a long time. Uh, I agree with Jerry that uh, more than likely Erickson gets another opportunity to start. Um, you know, his uh, the free kick goal that he scored against Milan in the derby of Coppa Italia was where this run of form began for him. I think that was a big confidence boost for him. Um, I honestly, assuming everyone is fit, you know, that was fit this past week, I wouldn't change Inter starting 11 one bit from the one that took on Lazio. I, I would just make a carbon copy of that, including uh, including Perisic starting at left wing back, uh, including you know, uh, Erickson uh, is part of the midfield trio. You know, obviously you keep your top two strikers. You obviously keep your top three center backs. And uh, and so, yeah, uh, w- with that, I'll, I'll bring it over to Vito. What's your expectation for that game on Saturday, or Sunday? It's going to be a, an earlier game, I think, than we're usually accustomed to for derbies. What's your expectation? Um, well, for, my, for this game, I reckon that... Uh, if I really had to pick a winner, I would say Inter on paper. But with derbies, anything can happen. And uh, you know, you probably hate me for hearing saying this, Alex. But uh, you know, it's just that whole Pazza Inter thing. You just never. When you think things are going so well, it's just like something causes it to self-destruct. Yep. It, it's just one of those things. So definitely, in a game like this, Inter cannot afford any complacency. It's not just for City Pride, but if Inter do get the victory, I think it will really lay the foundations for really sealing the Scudetto under Conte. Um, It would really set them apart from uh, Milan, who have had a great season on their part. Probably not one of the best squads on paper, but they've created a great unit so far. They've dealt with a fair share of injuries, but still been able to obtain results. And um, if they lost this one, it'd be bad because in recent games they had the defeat to Spezia in the last round and then Atalanta defeated them 3-0 at the San Siro a few weeks back. So um, those kind of results would uh, dent any hopes for them to win their first Scudetto since 2010-2011. Yeah, well said. Uh, So... You know, I think uh, I, I think J- Jerry did. Did we both? Because uh, we made our prediction in the last episode. I, I think I said two one. Did you say two one as well? Uh, for I said Inter, two that nothing. Oh, said... that's right. See, yeah, and and I re- I refused I refused to say clean sheet because Ibra is going to score at least once. <laughs> there's there's no question in my mind against Inter <laughs> scoring at least one goal. That's why I went two one and you went two nil. Uh, any prediction, Vito, on the score? I doubt we'll see five goals, but for some reason, I'll just tip into to win 3-2. That scoreline has happened before in recent derbies, so it wouldn't it wouldn't be a crazy thing. I mean, last season, we had a 4-2, that wild inter comeback. Uh, two seasons ago, there was a 3-2 in kind of a back-and-forth game. Uh, so, yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me either. And, and with that said, uh, we'll close out this episode. I want to throw a huge I shot. Want- Hold on. Since we have Vito on, oh yeah, yeah, I got one last question. It's a and it's in regards to Sampdoria and and it's one player who I, I wanted to ask. I forgot to ask you before. It's Gaston Ramirez, and you said that he's kind of been a disappointment this season. I thought last year he was a really good player. 
and uh, he showed potential. And, and that was I remember when when uh, Ranieri first joined as the interim manager, he had a lot of like high praise for Ramirez, and he thought that he was going to be really important to his like game plan. And that he always wanted him when he wasn't with Sampdoria. He was a, a player that he always like, kind of like looked at. Um, what are your thoughts of like why it's not working for him this year and where it's gone wrong? Because I know that they they wanted to sell him at at the at the winter tr- transfer market, right? Or this past summer as well. Like he he kind of dipped off. And I always thought he was a good player, but the only flaw I feel in his game is his attitude, where he just he gets too. He just starts freaking out, and in his challenges, when he starts to lose control of the game, he starts to make reckless challenges, and it puts his team in a bad situation. So I just want to know, like, where did it all go wrong? Because I don't watch enough Sampdoria like you do, and you've probably known Gaston Ramirez for how many seasons now he's been with the team. So I don't even know how long he's been there for, but uh, like, I just want to know your perspective. Mm. Well, with Gaston Ramirez, around the he emerged at Bologna in the early 2010s, so that's where Serie A fans started to get familiar with him. Um, at that time, when Ranieri was at Inter, they had uh, an Argentine guy called Ricky Alvarez, who was probably very similar in style to Ramirez. So, and uh, the fact is, both players eventually ended up at Sump. Uh, Ricky Alvarez got to Sump in the summer of, um, not the summer, the winter of 2016. He was there in 2017 in Giampaolo's first season. Then the next season, that's when the Ram- Ramirez came to the club, sorry. And Ramirez at that time looked like he was a good fit. I mean, he he produced something like 10 or 11 assists. It was a pretty impressive record, and most of them were in the first half of the season. So I thought Giampaolo's system was perfect for him. Um, it was a matter of him just having a bit more consistency and that was it. But in that campaign, he tailored off. Uh, other seasons have been pretty much the same. He produces moments of brilliance, but uh, then he'll go cold. And even last year, he had a few really impressive games. Probably the best one, in my opinion, was when Sampdoria went to Turin and uh, bet Torino 3-1. Uh, from memory, Ramirez scored bo- uh, two goals. Or well, he had a heavy involvement in the goals, but he was the reason why Sump won that particular game. As for this season, um, he's had his moments, but uh, I don't know if it's a matter of complacency or maybe Ranieri expects a bit more from him because he did say that he wanted him at Leicester when they won the Premier League title. And uh, just looks like uh, it might just be a mindset issue just uh, not being able to produce uh, time after time in Europe. Uh, with Ramirez, he was linked with Spartak Moscow, even Krasnodar in the Russian League. He's been linked with moves to the Middle East, so perhaps maybe the lower standard of football, with all due respect to them, might be better for him. But, yeah, Ramirez, he is one of those frustrating players because when things are good, he can make a difference. He scored some lovely goals from either free kicks or from open play for some. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just what makes things hurt more, that when a player can play that well at his best, it just makes you wonder why is he not performing in the other games? Is it his mentality? Is it the opposition? Uh, or is it the way the team is set up? 
And, um, yeah, it's hard to just really pinpoint one answer when someone like that's just not uh, replicating his good performances often enough. Really well said, and, and, and that was great stuff. Uh, so, yeah, no, totally, totally. And, and, and Vito, you know, we've mentioned Forza Italian football. Uh, where else can people find you? And make sure you plug your social media as well. Aside from Forza Italian football, the other website I would write for regularly is Breaking the Line. So it's a lot more feature-based stuff, longer articles. Recently, there's been a bit more analytical stuff, so a few more detailed data analysis on players. So have a look there. There are a lot of fantastic writers for that website too. I don't get enough chances to read the other writers too, but a lot of the stuff is very well detailed, well-informed stuff. So um, the editor for that website, Zach Lowe, he's very switched on and he's got a great collection of writers there too. So both FIF and VTL, they're both uh, fantastic websites. So I write for them, but even my colleagues on both uh, websites are fantastic. Uh, other than that, uh, on Twitter is probably the best uh, way to see my work. Just go to Vito C. Doria. That's my handle. And otherwise, with podcasts such as uh, this one or my regular stuff with Forts Italian Football, go to Spotify. Love it. And tremendous work as always, man. I, I appreciate all your work. And and Jerry, you've been all over the place. Uh, when you're not on TV, on TLN, you're writing up a storm. And and people can get your uh, your TLN segment online now, right? Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's, uh, just uh, re- just search uh, TLN and it will be the first link. It will be Inter versus uh, Lazio soccer fanatic uh, interview. So our debate, sorry. So it, it got uploaded to, uh, today. So that was nice. So if you're anybody's interested in watching that, oh uh, yeah, it was it was really good, man. Jerry was super entertaining. And make sure you follow him on Twitter at jmancini8. Make sure you follow me at Alex Dono. Make sure you follow the show at Calcho Connection on Twitter. Uh, sorry, it's at Calcho Con Pod on Twitter. I better get that right. At Calcho Con Pod on Twitter. Follow our YouTube channel, which is Calcio Connection. Huge thanks again to Vito. Uh, For Jerry, I'm Alex. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.